and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and I'm joined this morning by Simon Thomas. Simon, it's um, it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts. Uh, I've almost forgotten how to do it. I've certainly forgotten this time of the morning for podcasts. <laughs> I only a bleary-eyed Thomas talking today, but uh, good to see you again, and uh, good to talk to the listeners, to our readers. Indeed. it's um, As I say, it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts. Um and being Welsh rugby, a fair bit has happened, such as the way of Welsh rugby, and a lot of it's just happened in the last week. Um, let's start with what happened last week. Uh, last Thursday, there was a, a bit of a crisis meeting in Welsh rugby, which isn't unfamiliar, is it? No, I've done a few crises in my time. I've, uh, I've monitored one or two. I mean, to be brutally honest, I mean, last Thursday's meeting, it was... Um, it, it was seen to a certain extent as being the show done, but really it was it was part of a sequence of, of meetings that have been going on behind the scenes. Um, I'm not sure whether they've been physical or Zoom like this, you know. Um, yeah, but it's been an ongoing thing for a few weeks now, various things. I'm, I'm, I was told last Thursday's meeting was described as a strategy meeting, which is a, is a nice little phrase for it. But um, top of the agenda at that and, and meetings recently has, has been – the payment levels from the WIU to the regions for next season is, is, you know, we won't go over too much old ground. We know that because of the pandemic, in, income was, you know, cut to the bone for this current season. So the payments to the regions went down from 26 million, which was the anticipated level, um, to 3 million. That led to the 20 million pound uh, loan. We've all talked about that. But anyway, that's where we are. So with that and with the money from government and I guess with the furlough schemes as well, they're surviving at the moment in terms of cash flow. The, the big issue is moving on from next season because from next season, they'll have to start paying back the £20 million NatWest bank loan. Um, there presumably won't be any sort of emergency funds coming in from government from next season. So there is you know, a potential cash flow issue. So the big imponderable, the big question they've all been waiting for is, what the level of payments in the union would be. Now, with the New Zealand game I've been put in place, which is a big money spinner, the hope, you know, was that it would be around about £26 million. I was told that the union was somewhere apart from that on about £23 million the last time it was discussed. And one regional official I spoke to off the record said to me, well, that could be the difference for some teams between survival and insolvency. So it's a big issue. Um, money is going to be tight and there's some tough times ahead over the next year. So the meeting went place on Thursday. Everyone was very secret squirrel. There was lots of tight lips. Uh, as the most I was able to get out of anybody, and I said, has progress been made? And the reply came, work in progress. So, uh, yeah, there's no white smoke yet. Um, I think I think I said to you before on here, these kind of things, my experience of all of these things in Welsh rugby is that it almost needs to get to the brink. Um, before you reach some kind of compromise. And I would imagine there'd be something similar this time around. Uh, but it is a precarious time because, you know, if the regions aren't able to make ends meet financially next season, that does have serious knock-on effects. I mean, I've spoken to a few players who are obviously concerned that, I think they all understood the, you know, the 25% wage cuts they took this season, unprecedented times. But I think if because of the you know the payment levels, the regions were in a situation where they're having to look to continue those pay cuts into another year, I don't see that going down too well with the players. 
And um, I think that ultimately, whereas not everyone in the public will perhaps man the barricades for the regions, I think if they see the players being hit again with the continuing wage cuts, I think that might really crystallise things in people's minds. So, yeah, we wait to see what happens of it. Um, and I guess it'll be we'll move on to the next showdown crisis, crucial, <laughs> pivotal meeting. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it is just a just a bizarre thing, isn't it? The fact that we are here now in in May, and the regions don't even know what their playing budgets are for next year. You know, you've seen Dean Ryan talk about it quite strongly a couple of weeks ago, and you know, it's clearly having an impact on the business the regions are doing only the Ospreys have sort of made more than a couple of signings for next year the other regions have largely been confined to one or two additions yeah I mean to try to explain to people how this all operates I mean in terms of why is there uncertainty well essentially normal times you can pretty much be clear about what your income is going to be you know if you've got games against a certain teams at home, Six Nations and Autumn, you can pretty much gauge roughly what the income is going to be and then you can gauge the payments to the regions because essentially what happens is you have an overall pot of money and out of that go costs. Now costs would be the community game, around about 11 million, admin, staff cost of the union, women's game, all these kind of things. They come out, whatever's left goes into a pot to be distributed to the regions. But of course, at the present moment, it's very difficult, I guess, to be specific about that because we still don't really know what the attendance levels are going to be in the Wales game. Now, Wales internationals are the key financial engine. They're the driver of the income. Now, Wales have got three in the summer against Canada and Argentina twice. Then they've got four big autumn games. But it's still very much a guesstimate about how many people will be allowed into those games. I've talked to people about the summer. They said, well, worst case scenario in July would be about 10,000. I think that's based on the two meter distancing still being in place. Because obviously if you have two meter distancing, that very much limits you in terms of bodies in the stadium. Not so much when you sat down in seats, I've been told, but more like entry and egress and also around the bowl of the stadium, which is quite confined, as we know from the, the press box, you know. And if you think about when you go up to the top level of the, of the stadium and the concourse there, you might remember what that's like on a, on a yeah. full day, that you ain't going to get two meters social distance in there with, if you've got 40, 50,000. So a, a, a heck of a lot depends on that, not just for that, but also November. Now, we never know come November what the public health situation is going to be. You know, are you going to be in a, in a position where you can have full houses? That's what they're hoping. But that's the, that's the question mark and the uncertainty on the spreadsheets. So I guess that's what's taking place at the moment. They're saying, well, let's work out what we're pretty certain we will get in. But they're still very much working in the dark. And as a result, the coaches are left in the dark about what their playing budgets are for next season. It's, uh, as I say, it's uncertain times. As you mentioned before, see, one of the points of contention is that £20 million loan, which uh, the WRU have said that it doesn't matter where the debt lay because it's all coming from the same source to repay. If that was truly the case, why aren't the union just taking on the debt themselves? Why, why does it go to the regions? It was interesting. That, that, yeah, I was there. Obviously, I was asking the questions, and Steve Phillips came back with that. 
I guess the, the impression I got is what he was saying was that um, the income pot is always the same. It's as it comes from the same sources. It comes from international rugby. So I suppose perhaps what he meant, and it wasn't exactly entirely clear. Perhaps he meant it could have operated the way it, it's going to operate, where you have the PRB pot, the money goes to the regions, the regions separately pay back the money. Or perhaps what he meant was that, well, what you could just do is just slice a top bit off the PRB pot before it goes to the regions. So that was the only way I could interpret what he was saying in terms of this come, all comes from the same source. Because I guess international income is your main source of income. So you've got that many. So at what point do you take the, the loan repayments out of it? Maybe that's what he meant. I mean, it, it, was, it was a little bit unclear. And, and we haven't really had a chance to, to clarify that in recent weeks. But perhaps it's just the point in the chain at which the money is taken out, I'm not sure. Obviously, as you say, these things tend to, in Welsh rugby, things tend to reach a crisis point and it's it sort of, you get near the brink and then progress is found and, and compromises are made. And I, I guess that's what, what's going to need to happen here is is the PRB are sort of going to need to get on side with one another. There's a lot of sort of friction between the regions which isn't really helping the cause, is there? You know, you obviously, no. you know, you got you got Dwayne Peel going from Scarlets, from the Cardiff Blues. Um, there's a bit of nonsense at the minute about Cardiff RFC and Cardiff Blues and how the lease is apparently going to affect them having control of the, of the rags, which doesn't doesn't really seem to be the case, but it's it's still being floated around there. I mean, a lot of talk is there's a lot of talk about. I always quoted the PRA, the Professional Rugby Agreement, which is the document that lies um, between the union and the regions. It's the document around which everything is based, and in particular, the payment structure. And I've spoken much about the fact that it's a risk award um, document, so that the more money that comes in, the more money goes to the regions. That's the reward element. Of course, the risk element is COVID, and no one saw that coming because COVID's decimated the income flow, and as a result, the money going to the regions has been slashed. Now, a lot of people have said, why on earth did they sign up to that? Well, you, as I say, nobody saw a pandemic coming. But given what's happened, you might say, well, surely that needs to be addressed again, looked at again, and re rewritten. The problem, I suppose, is that for the PRA to be rewritten, for the agreement to be rewritten, you would need to get all four regions in absolute agreement over how it like be reworded in every aspect. Now, how <laughs> possible is that? You know, because I just know from speaking behind the, the scenes to the regions that they are there are differing views on quite a few things. There, you know, we've talked a lot about the two plus two model, which might see it, um, a couple of the Welsh regions being funded to different levels of the others, almost creating a bit of a Leinster Menster situation. That's all well and good, but obviously, you know, you've got the turkeys for Christmas situation, and you because know, if you're going to have two teams downgraded, two of them are going to agree, and you ain't going to see people jumping up to do that. So you certainly ain't going to see Swansea, you know, down in Swansea with the Ospreys or the Scarlets, you know, neither of them going to want to be downgraded, are they? So, in terms of reaching agreement, it is difficult, isn't it? It's very hard because, you know, everyone's got their own wishes and their own desires. So, how will you get to a situation where all four regions agree what they would want the future to be? Well, I don't know. I mean, it hasn't happened really 
in, in 18 years. <laughs> so no. will, it, will it happen now? I mean, in, in terms of the Cardiff thing, I mean, I, everything I hear is that there, there isn't any issue with what, what Cardiff have planned for the um, Cardiff RFC. The only thing that's stipulated is that PRB money cannot be distributed directly to um, the, any of the premiership clubs. But um, as I understand it, that's not the plan anyway. Um, the issue where they have done there is just resolving the lease, lease situation. Yeah, that's that. That clock is ticking, um, but hopefully, hopefully that can be resolved and they can move forward. And um, they are they are being quite proactive, I think, aren't they? With it, um... yeah, and I think certainly as well, um, there is there is a clear desire to make you know full use of Cardiff RFC in terms of the, in terms of the, the strategy moving forward for the region and working closer together. And that's probably a good thing. I, um, my knowledge of sort of leasing and, and landlord codes are, are quite limited, but I think they are seeking or, or taking out a section 26, which would effectively put the ball in the the athletic club's court in terms of, you know, we want to stay at the Arms Park on the current same deal. And it's it's up to you to sort of find good reason not to do so in the next, I think it's two months. So... That'll be one to keep an eye out on. I mean, the lease runs out, was it February next? February 22. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm spoken to Chris Norman, the chairman of the Cardiff IRC, and they've no, they've no desire to see the relationship fracture. They, they want something resolved. They want to be playing there. They're looking forward to be this new setup of Cardiff Rugby. But, I mean, as you say, as with Welsh Rugby, a lot of things go to the brink. So probably, <laughs> Jan, probably on January the 31st, 2022, we'll be reporting on the lease of result. I mean, this, is, this has only been a decade or so <laughs> in the making, hasn't it, the lease? <laughs> it's more than that. I was reporting on this back in the 90s upon the, the whole plans. Of, there was a plan at one stage to move everything lock, stock and barrel to a new stadium down, down the bay. We've obviously moved away to Cardiff City Stadium for a couple of years. Yeah. We had the retra- retractable pitch at one point, when they? Yeah, but now they're still there. They're still at the old historic home, the Arms Park. The old lady's a bit tired and needs a bit of work. But first of all, the old lady needs to remain the home of Cardiff Rugby. So a few months to sort that out. So over to Mr. Norman, Mr. Holland, and to everybody else involved. And fingers crossed it can get resolved. Hopefully it does. Um, and hopefully the other sort of crisis gets resolved. And, you know, we'll keep a, a close eye on that, obviously, we've talked a little bit um, about how that is affecting the regions and their business. Um, there's still been a fair bit of business done despite that. Um, the latest rumour is that Alex Cuthbert is potentially coming back to Welsh Rugby. The Ospreys been heavily linked. We understand there's potentially a couple of other regions looking at him and considering making a move. Um, I guess it just it makes sense, I guess, for, for Alex to, to come back to Wales at this time, isn't it? Yeah, he's had a difficult time in Exeter, isn't he? Because um, he's had these injury issues, and it's unfortunate because he's been there at a time when they've had so much success. Yet, yet through the injury situation, he's not been able to share on the pitch and a huge amount of it. I mean, he's 31, I think, now, Alex. You know, he's, he seems to be around for a long time, but he's, there's still plenty of rugby left in him. I mean, the biggest thing for him is getting fit, isn't it? Um, and if he does managed to do that he would be an asset for, for a Welsh region because he still knows his way to the trial line he's a strong strong carrier you know which is always useful to have as an option out wide um, does work very hard took a lot of stick and you know 
unpleasant stick from some of the trolls and the social media when he was here before. But I know from one thing about him, he, he, he never never gave everything but his all. He tried his hardest every time he went on the field. And, um, yeah, he'd be a positive signing. But I think most of all, it's just fingers crossed that he can have a bit of injury-free run. Yeah, of course. He's, what's he, 47 caps for Wales? So, obviously, that that meant that when he went to Exeter, his, his international career was over. But coming back would, would open the door again. Um, the 31, would, would it possibly be a little bit too late, give, given the sort of riches that Wales have out wide? Yeah, I mean, in this, this summer, ironically, if he was available, he might be in the frame because... You've got three players away with the Lions, haven't you? You've also got George North injured. So there's actually wing openings this this summer. So he might have come in the frame, but I suppose when everybody's back fits and available, um, he would be a little way down the pecking order. But, you know, he started out a long way down the pecking order when he joined Cardiff and the tries spoke for themselves in any game. <laughs> so, yeah, I think but the biggest thing of all is getting back on the field, isn't it? That's his, that's his big goal. And he would, it, you know, it, it would be the latest, if the Ospreys do make the move, it'd be the latest bit of good business for Toby Booth's side. You know, they've got Thomas Francis coming in. Uh, Jack Morgan is, is possibly the signing of the summer. Um, the two guys from the Highlanders, Michael Collins and Jack Regan, look like good deals. Ben Warren, Osher, not two youngsters. They've nabbed from sort of regional rivals. They're building something there, aren't they? Yeah, it's looking like a decent squad for next season. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they clearly are confident in terms of the financing of it. I mean, they're making more movement than the other regions. Um, we wait to find out maybe is there private money coming in and helping the situation? We don't really know, to be honest. But clearly there's an ambition there. When you think what happened just a couple of years ago, we're... The very future of the region was in doubt amid the merger talks. It's it's moved on in a big direction since then. And I think that um, I remember at the start of this season, I was talking to one of my colleagues, Jerry Thornley in Ireland, because um, who always rings me every start of every season with how the Welsh region's faring. And I remember saying to him then that, you know, the Ospreys could be the ones to look at because when you look at the squad, you know, if they can get it together, they should be a lot more competitive than they were in the twenty. 1920 season. I think they only won two league games. Actually, only won two competitive games because they lost all of their six uh, Heineken Cup Champions Cup games as well. So they they were certainly the region with room for improvement and fair play under Boo. They have improved a lot. And what's been encouraging is that a lot of the younger players have really come to the fore, like like some Morgan Morris, Gareth Thomas, Matt Prother, or excellent signing from Bristol. You know, the, these guys have come through. Um, Scrum halves like Ruben Morgan Williams, even Phillips, even Phillips, Derry Lake. You know they've got a lot of, of you know young kids. Reese Davis has been a good signing coming on board, um, and then the, the the old head of the talking about the youngsters. And then Stephen Myler actually proved to be one of the signings of the of the season or last year. Really, his absence through injury has, has hit them a bit of late, hasn't it? Yeah, so I think they're in a good position. Strengthening again will help them. Jack Morgan is an outstanding player, future Wales player. I think he'll be a Wales player this summer, actually, before he even starts for the Ospreys. So, yeah, they're in a good position. I think Toby Booth has done a good job. Um, Brock, Brock James with him as well. I was going to say Brock Harris there. Brock James has done well as well. You know, 
like a sensible, safe pair of hands in Mike Ruddock. So it's a good setup, new, new kind of administration there as well. So they will be looking, I think, to try and be the leading Welsh region uh, next season in terms of results. Um, it's it's concertinaed a bit in Wales, isn't it? You know, you haven't got the, the one team way ahead and the one team way adrift. Used to often be the Dragons. Dragons are more competitive now. Um, they've made a couple of decent signings for next season. The Scarlets have, you know, interesting. They trimmed their squad. Uh, it, I think they probably their squad was a bit large. And if you look at it for next season with only 18 regular season fixtures, um, you can probably trim a bit more. Um, and I think the other the issue we've had this year is with reasonably big squads, you've had a lot of people kicking their heels because there's been no Celtic Cup Regional A rugby and no Premiership rugby either. Yeah. Um, we wait to see what happens on that front next season. But yeah, they've trimmed a little bit. And then Cardiff and the Dragons have probably stayed numbers-wise pretty much the same. So yeah, I think it could be quite competitive amongst them and it'll be interesting to see how things kick into gear next season. But let's hope they kick into gear with fans in the stadium as well. Exactly. I mean, because obviously this week we we get the Rainbow Cup sort of kicks into, it breaks away from the, the derbies. And as you mentioned, the, the derbies have been relatively even. I think, you know, Ospreys have won two, haven't they? Um, Scarlet's have won one. They, 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 it's all, the shares have been largely spoiled. Yeah. The spoils I mean, have largely been shared, rather. Yeah, Cardiff won two as well. But, I mean, the, a tight win over the Dragons. Yeah. Uh, tight win over the Blues or the Scarlets rather um, it's a weird competition it's weird in many ways you cross you know cross continent competition where you're only playing in your own continent <laughs> um, and you have the bizarre scenario that the only unbeaten well the only team with a 100% record in the competition is Benetton from Treviso because um, the Bulls obviously lost rather surprisingly to the Lions on on the weekend. So you always get the feel nobody wants to get to the final of this thing. I mean, because it's going to cause complications because the date of the final, you know, is, is, a, is a time, I think you've got the Wills, you've got the under-20s championship kicking off. You've got, obviously, Lions squads, people gathering together. So, um, yeah, I think the, the, the next round will be quite important. I mean, Benetton, if I remember rightly, I've got Connaught at home and the Ospreys away. Yeah, um, I mean, you could have ended up with a shootout between um, the Ospreys and Benetton to reach the final. I mean, Cardiff have got Munster away this Friday. Um, that'll be tough. And Munster, I think, a second. And so you could see Munster coming through, pulling it to be yeah. the worst to go through. So you're not going to Bulls Munster final. But I mean, it's interesting. I've quite enjoyed some of the derbies. I, you know, enjoyed. I managed to actually get to a game last week. You know, because it's. Um, for various reasons have not been able to and it was I, I wrote my weekly column on the Ospreys Dragons game just the whole experience of it I mean something you, you're more used to than me but it was the eeriness of being there without the fans and just being able to, the noises you can pick up and who does all the talking and uh, oh you can forget that when you're actually at a game you can just watch an individual for five minutes because you yeah. can't do it on telly because you're at the behest of the of the director but i enjoyed that game there was um, oh i don't have the quality in that that tremendous through the matches but they've been you know it's been entertaining and some of the games have been and it's been a mix isn't it it's been a mix of giving you know some of the lions were to run as we've also seen some youngsters come through and do well um a couple of individuals like James Ratty's come through and has been a has been a big plus for Cardiff with his move to number eight. Um I, I really enjoy I thought Gareth Thomas, the the, the loose head, 
put his hand up in a big way last week, you yeah. know, in a scrimmaging battle with Leon Brown. Um, and if you if you look at the Scarlets, um, I think it's obviously been a, a difficult transitional period for them. You know, after what happened with Glenn Delaney, um, but it was on their front as well. I mean, Dane Blacker came through really you know, good. With a really good cameo against Cardiff Blues. He might be in the frame for the summer. So there's been, it has actually been, you know, an opportunity for players to put their hands up for the squad selection for Wales, which will be interesting when it comes to At least we know now that we have got games coming up this summer. So one thing with the Scarlets is, regardless of what's going on there, they just seem to be a consistent sort of production line for Welsh scrum halves. And even though obviously Dane Blacker came from Cardiff, it, it almost if you are the Wales scrum half in the Scarlet squad, there's a good chance you're soon going to be outplayed by your Scarlet teammates. You know, Gareth Davis is in a Lions squad and arguably you could say he's the third sort of choice scrum half at the Scarlet in terms of form because Black has been really good. Kieran Hardy's uh, box kicking was, was perfect against the Ospreys. They don't win that game without Kieran Hardy's performance at scrum half. And it's just, a, it's a strange sort of phenomenon. There's always someone waiting in the wings to sort of usurp the, the incumbent there. Yeah, I mean, Dane is an interesting one because he had a spell at the Dragons as well as Cardiff and, you know, we showed promise. Um, he's gone to the Scarlets and, you know, he, he really seems to fit in with their game. Quite similar in some ways to Kieran Hardy in that he's, he does run really good support lines. He's quick. You know, he's got a good sense of where to be, the, the DuPont style, as we call it now. Um, he'd tracker. Yeah, so he's done well. I mean, It'd be interesting to see how the Scarlets develop next season. I mean, we talk about, you know, scrum halves prospering there. Well, you've got a scrum half going back there, hopefully with the whole team going to prosper. I mean, and the way, you know, having watched Dwayne throughout his career, um, he was the catalyst of the Wales team, really, in 2005, run up at that period. And everything he did was about tempo. Um, and if you look at the way Elster have played, they've looked to play with pace in the attack. But also with power. Now, power-wise, um, that is always the challenge for yeah. the Welsh teams. And if you look at the players that the Scarlets are letting go or go, are leaving, rather, two of their big ball carriers, squad members, Jake Ball, Isaiah Kasim, are moving on. Um, so I, I was looking at that Scarlet squad, and where we talked about the difficulty of recruitment at the moment. I think they probably do need something. They need some ballast in that second row. Yeah, big, it's probably some big, nasty South African second row or something like that to come in there because they've got a couple of good young second rows coming through, um, but they've lost a bit of experience now in that back five. Um, so I think they probably need something there fairly muscular to come in for next season because you can't wholly rely on uh, Callum Afoni to do all your ball carrying because he's such a huge man, but I mean... The way he plays, he, he could take bangs, can't he? Yeah, they probably yeah. need they probably need a little bit more go forward looking at it from my point of view. Yeah, it becomes a bit like Cardiff Blues and Nick Williams done it a few years back, where effectively, if Nick Williams played, the Cardiff Blues had a infinitely better chance of winning than if he didn't. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the hope is that Dwayne Peel's going to bring attacking rugby back to Scarlets, and in truth, that's something that's probably been missing maybe since Pivak left. You know, Brad Brad Moore was was highly thought of down west, but what was the attacking game 
really improved. And then this season, I think under Delaney, they, they really struggled, especially in the red zone. It just seems to be a, a problem that they, they sort of, they, they just seem to lack ideas on how to break teams down. And it, I and think it, losing a patch was a big blow, wasn't yeah. it? You know, I mean, and you, you, you feel for Reese because it's been a long time now, isn't there, with various injury issues. Um, you just really hope that he can get back next season because he's a quality 10, international 10, World Cup 10. And I think, you know, that they've obviously tried various different things there. I mean, they, they've tried Dan Jones there, they've tried Angus O'Brien there, Sam Costello's had a few cameos. Um, but they've they've lacked a, a seasoned international standard 10 to be in charge there. And that, that's probably made things a little bit difficult. So hopefully he'll come back for next season. And we wait to see what Dwayne's approach will be. Um, and the you know as I say, I think if you look at the the, the pack now, um, it does probably need a little bit of injection yeah. or something from somewhere just to give themselves a little bit more front football because Dwayne, you know, his, his game is very much based around front football. If you look at what Ulster did, he was able to sort of build a strong attacking platform very much on the back, largely of Marcel Kutsia, with the forwards, you know, a constant go forward he provided for them. Um, and I guess they'll be looking for Callum Mahoney to do that, but they could probably do with someone else just to add a little bit more on that front as well. Yeah, I suppose the other interesting thing is they won't have much finance to work with to get that second round, likely consider they're cutting, you know, they're cutting the squad to sort of help the budget compensation's got to be paid to the Cardiff Blues and to Glenn Delaney, you'd assume. And they're on the lookout, obviously, for an assistant coach. They'd be interested to see where they go with that because Glenn Delaney was the defence coach under Brad Moore. He then stepped up to the the head coach role. No one ever sort of took over as a defence coach. And I know sort of John Daniel said that Delaney sort of kept his, his eye on that. But from my understanding, it was sort of a a shared responsibility within the camp to look after defence, which probably hasn't helped if, you, if you've if you seen, you know, the Scarlet's defence has, has struggled a lot this year. I think it's ranked as one of the worst in the Pro 14. So clearly, whoever they get in as Peel's assistant is going to be defensively minded. Yeah, I mean, we've been told that there's scope for him to bring someone in. And I suppose when any new head man comes in, they want to have someone they know or somebody they particularly like coming through the door. There's, there's vacancy there for defence side of it. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully in the next few weeks we'll get an idea of what uh, Dwayne's support staff will be and then they can really start to plan and move forward. I'm not sure, by the way, that uh, compensation is being played to Cardiff Blues, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that for another day. Um, I guess the final part um, of the podcast, we've, we've mentioned a lot of talented Welsh youngsters uh, when assessing the Rainbow Cup. There is a summer tour of sorts. It's not a tour as we know it. We've got it's home a tour games. Of Cardiff. <laughs> Just a look at yeah, tour Principality Stadium, which um, I tend to do quite well for the WIU. It's Canada and then Argentina twice in Cardiff. Uruguay aren't thrilled about that, but that's again a story for another day. Um, who are the youngsters and who, who are the players who are impressed that we we see making a mark? On that, obviously, someone like Jonah Holmes, not not a youngster by any means, but the form he's put in for the Dragons is almost hard to ignore. Yeah, if you look at the uncapped players, perhaps who might come through him, Jack Morgan, we've talked about. I think that he he's very much in the frame for that, especially you know Tipperick's away with the Lions, 
Um, so there's definitely an opening there for him to make a will CB. Maybe Tane Basham might come through as well. Tane's had a couple of injury issues, but has come back towards the end of the season. So you could see those two open sides potentially getting a first cap. Second row is interesting, isn't there? There's quite a few. I mean, the, the likes of Ben Carter, Reese Davis, Morgan Jones. Will one of those perhaps come into the mix? There's possibility. If on Phillips at Hooker as well, we've said about him. Gareth Thomas at Loose said. And then uh, hopefully there will be a first cap at tight dead, not for a youngster particularly, but for someone who was, a, who was so nearly there before that Griff, uh, Will Griff-John, because obviously he was due to play against Scotland March 2020. Game was called off. He's, you know, he's waited 14, 15 months. You would hope, you would hope that he gets an opportunity. Although tight dead's you know, competitive because Thomas Francis is available. And I guess, I guess he'll be part of the setup, you know, and maybe they, unless they decide to give him a summer break. You've got Leon Brown there, you've got Dylan Lewis there, so there's a lot of options. And then looking at the uh, the backs, we talked about Dane Blacker, might possibly come into the mix. Um, I would say half is an interesting one. Might Sam Costello be thrown in to give him some experience? I think he'd be, wor- be worth bringing into the squad, wouldn't he? You'd think so, experience-wise, and he's seen as very much part of the, of the, of the future. I mean, he was you know, a key man for Wales in the 20s. And then you've got in the centre, Kieran Williams, I think everyone expects yeah. a big, bigger start. And there's other centres, you know, and Ari Owen, I'd like to see in the squad. I think he's got a lot about him. You know, just um, offers kind of a mix of the ability to carry, make big collisions, but also a good footballer as well. So I think he's got a good mix to him there. Then on the wing, Matt Prothero, we've spoken about. Um, fullback Prothero could play either wing or fullback in that, in that mix there. And Jonah Holmes, I mean, he obviously he's not an uncapped player, but he's somebody who's been pretty limited, but I mean, in terms of his try scoring, and like he's 10 tries in nine games, something of that nature, and absolutely on fire. Watched him at that Dragons Ospreys game last weekend. He was pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, I think he's he's nailed on as a starting wing. So, yeah, it'll be quite an interesting team. I mean, I'd imagine the Canada side will have quite a few fresh faces. Maybe the first Argentina game will be a bit mix and match. Maybe the second one will be him finishing. Well, this is, this is my strongest team. And what does he do with people like... Lee Halfpenny, Josh Navidi, um, of this nature, you know. The, the ones, Rob Evans, players of the category, really experienced players who are available. Does he involve them? Got to, I mean, you've got other players coming back, like Ross Moriarty. He's not played for Wales for over a year. Yeah. You know, you see him, it'll be a great opportunity to get him back in that mix. But it will be interesting to see how much Pivak goes for a mix of youngsters. I think when I've spoken to people involved in the Welsh camp, the, the view is that they want to bring youngsters in, but they don't want to throw a group Caps, of youngsters yeah. all together. So they want a situation where if Jack Morgan plays, it's maybe alongside Wainwright and Navidi or, or, or Moriarty, two of those three. So it's the experience. And then if you bring in, I don't know, a Ben Carter or a Reese Davis, they may be alongside Adam Beard. Yeah. So you've got that experience there alongside you. So I think that would be the way they go. I suppose the other thing to, in, to sort of contend with is the fact that, what, that the Wales games, are the, was it the 3rd, the 10th and the 17th of July? And then you're looking at the first Lions test being the 24th. So it's, it's the three weekends in the build-up to that first Lions test. So the likes of Navidi and, and John Davis are, are probably, if they haven't already been called up as, as injury cover at that point, they're going to want to be sort of keeping the cogs turning and, 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 and keeping themselves at a sort of test level in, in, in the chances that they do get that call from Warren Garland. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Josh, for example, he need, pretty needs rugby because I mean, he, yeah. 
he missed such a large chunk of the first half of the season through the concussion issue and had a couple of other issues. So he'll want to play, getting the wheels turning again, but obviously also very much aware that if there's a back row injury, there always seems to be on Lions tours. So he, he, with his versatility, surely must be the next cab off the rank. And you'd think as well, if you look at 13, it's a, it's a position I'm not convinced about who's going to fill that for the Lions because, you know, Obviously, Robbie Henshaw had a great Six Nation, and you could move him out, but he plays primarily at 12. So who's going to be the 13? There's no Jonathan Davis there, no George North there, no Tuolagi. Um, Townsend knows Chris Harris well, you know, very solid defensive player. Uh, Gatland has always been quite an admirer of Elliot Daly, who's so versatile and could go to 13. But, you know... If, if things don't work out, then there is a centre injury and they're looking for someone to bring stability and experience and defensive control, then there's nobody better than John Fox really to come and do that job. So he'll he'll want to keep himself in the mix as well. Absolutely. it's um, I'm, I'm sort of wary of bringing up the commentator's curse, but touch wood, it's, injury-wise, it's been quite good so far for the Lions since the, yeah. since the squad's been announced. Yeah, obviously pre-squad, George North, that was uh, yeah. such a blow. Um It'll be interesting now to see how much more the Welsh-based Lions feature. I think as soon as... Uh, I mean, the Scarlets and the Dragons can't reach the final of the Grey yeah, Cup. two more games. So unless the likes of Ken Owens you know, really once a game, you'd think maybe there'll be a fair bit of cotton wool involved in there. Cardiff and the Ospreys. And Cardiff are away to Munster this week. I should imagine they'll go quite strong there. Yeah. Um, one of the issues they've got is that they're very bare in the back three at the minute. Um, because Owen Lane is obviously suspended. Um, Summerhill is out for the season, a wrist injury, I think it was, with him. Um, so they're really down. Matthew Morgan has also been injured. So they're down pretty much to Jason Harris, Hallam Amos, and Josh Adams, with Harry Millard the only other option. So they, that does tend to mean that, you know, Josh has to play at the moment, really, and I guess he will play out in, in Limerick. So fingers crossed he comes through. Um, and then of the other ones, um, will Tipperick play? Will Arwin Jones play? Maybe, maybe because they are, as I say. I mean, it's a, it's a conundrum, isn't it? In a way, yeah. it actually creates a problem when you're in the mix for this tournament. Absolutely, yeah. It's an interesting one, and we'll, we'll keep an eye out. Obviously, the Ospreys have got a bye this weekend, haven't they? So, yeah, I think they've yeah. got um, they've got Connaught and and Bennett on to come, I believe. Yeah. At least Toby Booth doesn't have to make that decision for another week's time. Um, you know, it's just about keeping the cogs turning for players. And that's, I guess, what we've been doing today with our podcast. It's the first one for a while. And I think we just about got through it coherently. Just about, yes. Um, and as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, leave it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. It really does help us. And for all the latest news in Welsh rugby, you can catch it all on Wales Online. <laughs>